Podcasting from Lagos, the smallest state in Nigeria and the center for Nollywood, Africa's most popular film industry. This is Being More with Ibukun, a show inspiring African women to discover their identities and develop their leadership skills so they can amplify their voices for more influence and impact. And I am your host, Ibukun Omololu, a gender advocate and a banker's king who combines career with writing, public speaking, and is also Mrs. Alpha in a squad of testosterones. Hello everyone and thank you for joining me today. Today I have a special guest. Her name is Remy Oadukun. This is a woman I really admire and I've worked with for some time and she's going to be sharing her story with us today. Last week we talked about women being vulnerable and dealing with their biggest fears. One of it being the loss of a spouse, the second being the loss of a means of income, and the third being a disease that renders them incapacitated so they are unable to care for their families. Today I welcome Remy Owadukun to my podcast and she will be telling us and sharing a lot more about her story growing up. You're welcome Remy. Thank you so much for coming. Thank you so much for having me. <laughs> uh, I really appreciate being the first um, guest on your show. Yay! Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking forward to many more of it. Awesome. We're excited about that too. Great. Please, can we meet you? Thank you. Wow. So I'm usually very terrible at introducing myself. (laughs) I always wonder, so where exactly am I starting from? How exactly do I introduce myself? So I would just say that I'm a a female entrepreneur, um, mostly based everywhere in the world, it's hard to say. Um, But I would say that I started my career in Nigeria and then just branched out to other parts of the world. I'm a certified health coach, certified life coach. Um, I'm an author. Um, I'm a mobile game developer. I am a consultant. What else am I again? They call me mother hen because I'm very mean. I can be very mean and very stern sometimes. Um, but I'll say that I'm just, I'm just this girl trying to live her best life, for lack of better words. Awesome. I think you're actually being very modest because (laughs) 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 I know you as a great woman who has done some really great things and, you know, and I really admire that in you. You're you're relentless and it's just amazing. (laughs) So um, let's take this back a bit further. What was growing up like for you? Growing up for me was very fun. I had an amazing childhood. Um, my dad was a medical doctor. Um, and so we lived, he worked for NMPC. So we lived in one of NMPC's estates. And 
nobody had no house had a fence like the estate itself had a fence but the individual houses did not have fences so we wake up today and go and eat in the neighbor's house then by dinner we're in another neighbor's house sometimes we'll sleep over our parents will never know where we are just like we're just sleeping in somebody's house so it was quite it was very free and we all grew up with different people we had a Calabar neighbor i had a muslim neighbor from kano i had a yoruba neighbor so as a young child i used to speak small small house up um, it was actually a lot of fun, um, and we, the school, our primary school, was in this estate, and it was for NNPC staff children. So we met people of all walks of life. Because the driver's daughter or driver's son would be in that school, the head of medical's child would be in that school, and everybody was equal in the school. There was no anything, no children. Everybody they don't see any, they don't see status. Everybody was just enjoying themselves. So it was actually a very nice experience. Um, my my parents always wanted us to have. They were always very big on experiences. Um, so everything in our house was always an experience. Our house was the house where if you wanted to do something fun, you go to the Awadukun's the Awadukun's house. Mm-hmm. Um, I had two. I have two brothers. So for the longest time, I was a tomboy. I think I started wearing skirts in my twenties. <laughs> um, Amazing. I'm in the middle. Yeah, I'm in the middle of two boys. Hmm. So here you were, this, you know, bubbly, happy child, living the life and having it all, you know, glee and wonderful, gleeful and wonderful. Hmm. At what point did this change? Oh, when my dad died, I was 15. Hmm. I was 15 when my father died. That was actually when I discovered that there was another quality of life that wasn't the life that we were living. I always hmm. thought that everything was just how it was and it was always going to be like that's where we always had enough. We would go on vacation every year. You know, each child had a nanny. We had a maid. We had the, we had two drivers. We had two cars. We had a laundryman. You, know, you were truly living the life. <laughs> As if, so when he died and everybody started disappearing, I was very confused. But like I don't know, did they go on holiday? Yeah, what do you mean everybody family. started disappearing? Because it was no longer, and it made no sense to continue spending that much money because it was the most of the things that were coming along with that were the fact that my father was the head of medical. So as hmm. part of his package, he didn't have to pay for those things. Wow. The things that he had to pay for. He shared with my mother, so there were two salaries coming in, right? Yeah. And now there was just one salary. So all of those luxuries had to just disappear. So my mother had to leave the NPC premises, obviously, because the person who was working for NPC was no longer alive. So she had to move, um, and so she just decided to just take uh, a transfer to Abuja because the embassy. She worked in an embassy, so I think was it around the time when. Um, the government had asked all embassies to move their base to the capital okay. because before you could just be in Lagos but now you now have to have an office in Abuja if you want to have in Lagos good so she moved to the Abuja office for the embassy that she was working for so goodbye everybody so that was now it was the first time that we moved into uh, an apartment that was less than three bedrooms um, and each person did not have their room it was so weird <laughs> <laughs> Before you just go out and just eat, you don't check how much the price is. Just point at what you want in the supermarket. They just collect it for you. Now, just be here. Nope, you can't. There's no money. No, you can't. No, you can't. Um, and it wasn't supposed to be that bad. 
because my mom was supposed to get my father's gratuity, you know, but that one entered voicemail actually. So she actually didn't get what she was supposed to get. So a lot of things like she had already planned that with the gratuity university in the US was already started because my dad was in nineteen and it for almost twenty years. You wow. know, so a number of things were just <laughs> cut short. Wow. So that, I would say that that was when real life started to dawn on me that what I grew up knowing was not the normal everyday life for everybody else. Wow. So what did that experience do for you? I mean, here you were, you were this child that I believe the, you know, prim and proper, you know, posh life. <laughs> and then <laughs> and then all of a sudden everything is sucked up right under your nose and you're like, okay, what what's happening here? What's going on? Um, I think for me I, I felt that I had to grow up quick than I would have liked, you know. Mm. When other people were thinking about prom and you know going to university my concerns were very different um mm. but i'll say that it really made me respect my mom mm. um and also realize that as a woman i can't afford to depend on a man to take care of my needs which is not bad by the way which is great if you have somebody that can take care of your needs that's actually great where you actually that I actually needed to have my own money um, because the reason why my mother was still able to hold us together even though it was not the same quality of life that we were living was because she actually had a job <laughs> you know she actually had a job she had um, investments she had savings awesome. you know so if those things were not available I don't know what would have happened to us to be honest, because I think that um, I just felt like my mother didn't need my support because I just feel like there's so many things that could have happened. I don't see, I cannot live this kind of poor life. Let me go and eat poor in my own eyes, right? Compared to what I had. I'll just be, <laughs> I'll just be like, please let me go and look for one. And I was in Abuja then. Abuja was very new, very fresh. So I would go and stand at the road with my mom and you know, all these big vicars would stop and they'd be like, Madame, let's carry on your daughter somewhere and they'll be offering us money. I would, this was very tempting. I could have just carried myself and that one car and just be going. You would just hear that I'm somebody's girlfriend. You know, and that's my that would have been my destiny. Um, but it taught me to be um, more aware of life. I was very unaware of life. For me, life was just one way up, up, and up about smiling all the time. Everybody's nice, everybody's wonderful, everybody's awesome. There are no trials in life. Everybody else is, every other person can die, but nobody in my family ever can die. Like, death's far away from my household, you know. So when we heard of people dying, it just seemed like something that happened to other people but didn't happen to us. Um, and so I just, that was when I decided, because my mother has always, has always said it though, even before my father died. You know, you need to start saving. As a woman, you need to have your own money. You know, when I go out with my friends, my mom would be like, oh, take your own money. When even our friends' parents come to pick us, to take us out, they're the ones that pay, you know. My mother bless you, take money. You never know what anything can happen. So, it, but it didn't click properly until my father died mm. you know and I was like so somebody would just be living their life normally and then one person just died and then then there's nothing you know so and that was when I decided that no this life I cannot be poor <laughs> give me a mother has money but me I want my own money <laughs> yeah you're a beautiful example of that because if, all the things you've gone on to do but let's not even go into that what about your um family members didn't anybody come to your aid or to your mom's aid at that period 
Well, so my dad, um, at the time when he was alive, was one who was doing the best amongst mm. his siblings. So mm. he was basically taking care of the whole family. Wow. You know, my grandfather had a house in Suriliri that he left for, because my, my grandfather had eight kids, and my father was the um, third, was the third. Um, so the two women were already married, and then my dad and his other siblings. So he left the, he willed the property to them so that they can rent it out, and then the, the what's it called, the rent, they can share the rent amongst themselves. My father even forfeited his part because he felt wow. he's already earning enough so there's no need for him to still be collecting so he left it for his younger um, siblings. siblings yeah so he was one that was here i mean he sent their kids to school he helped them get jobs you know he helped them pay rent i don't think that's if they could have done anything for us or maybe that's what they felt that they couldn't do anything for us but my father's burial was when i saw most of them last if not all of them actually. I don't think I've seen any one of them since my father died. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Um, did this affect your mom in any way aside the financial burden? I would say so. I mean, it's not easy for you to lose your spouse. Mm. You know, you already planned your entire life to spend your entire life with this person and you guys spent what, maybe less than 20 years together and then the person dies. And then you're not even in your home country where you have your family members and your friends and stuff. You are in a foreign land, basically. Um, and even till today, so if nobody fully understands why she, she decided to stay, you know, because people actually just assume that once my father was gone, she would leave as then she would go back to, you know, to her country like most other person. But she decided to stay. She felt that, you know, her kids were there. She didn't want, she, my mom did not want to disrupt our normal life as much as. Mm. As much as she didn't, if it was not necessary, she didn't think that it was, she needed to change it too much. She still wanted us to be around her friends. She still wanted us to finish, because I was in SS1. So she still wanted me to finish school. You know, she didn't want us to just uproot us from everything and just take us to a different place. Um, I would say my mom is a very strong person. She's not, she's not very emotional. Um, you hardly, I think I, I've hardly seen my mother cry. I've seen her cry twice. Does she cry? I'm very sure she cries me when I'm not looking. <laughs> so she, she's always tried to have a, you know, strong front to, you know, she feels that if she breaks down, all of us will now break down along with her. So she's always had that strong fortress. You know, ma'am, I'm definitely, in that aspect, me and my mother are very different. I'm very emotional. And my mother would just be strong, like, super like rock. Mm. <laughs> and I'll say that that's the attitude that she needed to, to be married to in Nigeria, man, actually, because she was a year older than my dad, which was not very acceptable wow. at the time. She was not Nigerian, which was also not acceptable at the time. So wow. you know, she was not a, a wow. conventional Yoruba wife. <laughs> exactly. I can imagine. Yeah. So wow. she came with her own baggage. So, um, yeah, I hope I answered your question. Yes, you have. And I mean, thank God for strong, beautiful women who are mothers. I mean, mothers are always precious, really. That's what I say every time. So let's talk about your your um, weight loss journey, because I know that's that's something you're also really renowned for. 
and you succeeded in losing 40 kg. Can you tell us a bit about that? Yeah, so in 2013, 2014, uh, I was dating this gentleman who called me fat. I was 110, <laughs> <laughs> I was 110 kilograms at the time. And I was clearly in denial because I knew that I wasn't thin. I knew that I wasn't thin, but I did not see myself as obese. I just saw myself as, okay, I'm just chubby, a little like that, you know. So um, I was horrified, uh, not just because he called me father, because of the way that he, he said it. We had just gotten to ShopRite in Alausa, and you know he parked the car, it was time to come out of the car, and he was just sitting down, staring out of the window. So I was just sitting there waiting for him to maybe put himself together. My mind, I just thought maybe he's trying to remember something that he wanted to buy or something. But like, how far are we not going out? He didn't answer me. The next thing, he started pointing, said, can you see that woman over there? So, and this is like shop rights parking lot and I'm there so many people so I'm like which woman like that woman that woman that woman wearing red and like yes I said yeah, that's how you look like wow right and they're like see the other woman there can you see her can you see the way she's walking like a dog that's how you walk you know and I was quiet all through and then I went home and I was crying. In fact, that was the first day that I went home, looked in the mirror and actually saw myself. I felt that before that time, I would go, go home and I only see my face from my neck up. I would see, my, as in I'm seeing myself in the mirror, but I just did not want to accept the image of the person that I was seeing. Um, so I decided to lose weight just to prove a point, actually. I didn't lose weight because I wanted to be healthier. I didn't lose weight because I wanted to fit into better clothes. I didn't lose weight because I had any debts thing impending any health crisis um in fact i didn't even know that i had any serious health issues until actually lose after i lost weight so i had already gotten comfortable with certain um lifestyle um i had gotten used to the fact that i would have my monthly periods last anything from two to three weeks to up to two months non-stop this happened for a decade so i'm basically the modern day version of the woman in the bible with the issue of blood um <laughs> And I had a whole cabinet always stuffed with, with always. In fact, I would have just been the perfect always ambassador. Um, wow. So when when it started 10 years before that time, it seemed abnormal because people used to say, oh, my period is three days, five days. Mine was already like 10 days and heavy 10-day periods. But after the first year, I just got accustomed to it that, oh, maybe I'm just, I just, I'm just the minority. You know, so now that's one of the things that I always try to tell my clients is you need to be careful when you start getting comfortable with things that are abnormal. Hmm. You not start thinking that it's normal just because you've been doing you for 10 years. It now looks normal to you. So after I lost weight, my period just reduced to five days. Wow. Then I used to have migraines from hell. My migraines were so bad that after a while, I couldn't even look at the computer properly. I couldn't look at my my phone properly. I went to go and do eye check thinking that I needed to get glasses. They said nothing, nothing was wrong with my eyes. After that, I stopped having migraines. I've not had Panadol in years. I don't remember the last time I had Panadol. Um, I had high blood pressure. I had high wow. cholesterol. I had pre-diabetes. All of them just gam, 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 disappeared. So I was on a number of medication uh, to try and treat these things. None of them resolved anything, but they were great pacifiers. So when I lost weight, I went to go and see the doctor. I actually thought, I actually went there thinking, okay, maybe you should reduce my dose, right? That's what I was thinking. 
And the doctor was like, you don't need to take any more medication. And I was really angry. So I was like, so all this well, I could have just lost weight. Nobody told me anything. I don't know if I would have lost the weight child, but at least they should have attempted me <laughs> in telling me. Um, I had PCOS as well. Disappeared. Wow. So I, I had it. I had my. So these are the things that I never realized were even wrong with me, or, you know. But I just lost weight, and that just became a natural consequence of my weight loss. And this was in mm. 2014. That's when I lost weight. Um, so yes, that was that's the story of my of my weight loss. But I always say, um, please don't wait for anybody to yap you before you lose weight. Just use it there, so. <laughs> And you were about what age? Um, you could just give us a range when when all this happened. Um, twenty six. Wow. Yeah, wow. twenty six. Okay. Yes. So, you are a four time um, Amazon bestseller. How did mm-hmm. this happen? I know. Yes, you lost weight, and then you know, then things started happening. You wrote a book, and you know, it went on and on and um, you're one of the few women who live by the rules that who live by some of the rules that I believe women should live by like um, having your own money and all and I know it it, it was largely shaped from the experience you went through but you went on for that to be relentless I'm sure you must have had your own struggles and you know fought your own demons but you went on for that to be relentless and um, you've gone on to do great things. Can you walk us through that? Yeah. So my book. Um, <laughs> so what happened was after I lost weight, I was I used to be a fashion designer, right? So I took a break from work and I said that I didn't want to go back into fashion. I didn't want to be in the entertainment industry anymore, and I wanted to do something else. I just didn't know what else I wanted to do. Which you excelled um, in beautifully because yes. you were a renowned designer as well. Yes. Okay. So I decided that I didn't want to go back into fashion and I wanted to do something else. And so I started looking for people, you know, that I felt were doing something that would trigger something in me, but I had no clue because most people, when they leave one career, they are leaving it to go into another career. They know what they're leaving their current yeah. position for. Yeah. I didn't have any idea. I didn't have a clue. I didn't even know what I was doing. I just knew that I didn't want to go back to where I was coming from. Um, so just coincidentally, because I already knew Shola Anima Shaun uh, from when I was a fashion designer. He was my photographer then for my clothing line. And um, he, I went to see him in his, in his office just to just check up on, a, on him and see how he was. And then I, I saw a book there he had done the cover the photo shoot for the cover of that book and the book was written by steve harris who was um, from college dropouts to corporate sellout yeah um and so i i read i bought the book i read it and then i sent him a text because his number was at the back of the book yeah and i love the book blah 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 we met up um we had lunch and it was so inspiring because i was like this guy didn't go to university i didn't go to university you know it seemed yeah I was like, if this guy did not go to university and he's in Nigeria and he's making it, ah, no, 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 that means it's not so bad for me, right? So it's, it was an example of somebody who was doing something um, good. So I'm like, I like this guy. I want to spend more time around him. So I would just follow his tweets. Then Twitter was the one that was more buzzing than Instagram. Mm. So he would, he would put out his, his tweets. He, he now mentioned one day that he was going to go and speak at the bank in GRA, which was down the road from where I was. 
um, and then I sent him a message asking if I could um, be his assistant for the day. And he said yes. So that day I followed him, I was his assistant. He was just there doing his speaking while I was, you know, helping him, you know, pass the form, feed your names. If you want to buy his book, this is the price. Um, and then he asked me to come and speak. I think I spoke for like 10 minutes. Like, oh, this girl, you know, she has this wonderful weight loss story. My man are like, hey, God, oh, Jesus. <laughs> you know, so I spoke for like 10 minutes, which was great. Um, I had never spoken to an audience in the capacity of somewhere that had lost weight. I mean, I didn't, I just saw it as, oh, I lost weight. I didn't see it as anything more than that. Yeah. Because people who had inspired me to lose weight had still lost more weight than me. And they didn't have a book. I just saw their blog their blog post was almost the blog spots. So if I'm, I didn't see it as anything as a big deal. So people were like, oh, wow, wow, wow. So during lunch break, he was like, so what are you working on now? And I didn't want to seem like an unserious person. <laughs> you know, so I just said, well, I, I, I didn't lie, but I think I made it look bigger than it actually was. So what happened was I had already said, right, after I read his book, I said, this scribbling things down because I started a blog actually. Mm. I already had a blog on my weight loss story and I was blogging anonymously. So he was like, oh, so what are you working on now? I was like, oh, I'm writing a book about my weight loss story. And he was so excited. He was like, wow, yeah, that's serious? Steve for you. You oh, shouldn't tell Steve you know, that you're know, writing yeah. anything. <laughs> yeah, you know Steve. So he was like, wow, are you serious? This is awesome. Have you, how many chapters have you written? And I said seven. He was like, that is beautiful. So when are you finishing the book? My mother like, I don't, I don't, I don't know. You know, I was sitting out. I was not feeling very somehow like, hey, God. We were like, make sure you, as soon as you get home, make sure you email me the book. That's another two things. I'm like, ah, That's Steve. <laughs> like today, he said today that he's going to read it today. That in fact, I should send the book. So I just felt like, okay. It was my first real interaction with him. Because the first time I was very informal. I just met him for lunch. This one, I was not like really in his space. So I was like, maybe this guy, this guy is very busy. He doesn't have my time. He's not going to read my book. But... <laughs> Let's know, let's know be I did not send it. So when I, got back home, shock. <laughs> when I got back home, I started copying all my blog posts from my, from my blog. So writing by force, because I, I have to make sure that I sent seven chapters. We're not going to say I had seven chapters. So I now emailed him the book. And I was like, God, like, this guy will never read his books. At least if I see, if I jam him tomorrow, I can have confidence that I have emailed you. The next morning, he called me. And I was like, I love your book. You have to finish it. And remember, like, oh, I just sent you the book, like, how many hours ago? Like, last night. And I said, I've read the book. Ima has read the book. Ima is his wife. Yeah. I've read the book. Ima has read the book. We both love the book. You have to, you have to finish it. I want to make sure you finish it. And I was so dazed. You know, because, like, nobody else has read the, the book. So, and then he was so excited about it and everything. And so that's how I actually went on straight. He was, like, checking up with himself. How far have you gone? Yeah, send it to me. Let me see. Okay, so what was going to be the name of the book? Okay, what's going to, how are we going to do the cover? We chose the cover together. It was when I recommended an editor to edit my book. You know, so he actually pushed me to finish. I would have never written that book, mm-hmm. finished it. When I finished writing the book, eh, I was happy that it was saved on my computer. Mm-hmm. I, I, was, I was very happy. I had no plans of, when we were saying book cover and uh, printing and ISBN, everything was like alien language. I'm like... I'm not understanding. Everything was not looking so big. I'm like, no, no, no. I've written the book as in the ebook is okay. Like, it's enough. You know, so he made sure I finished the book. So I actually printed a hard copy of my book at first. And that's actually how I, I started with that book. But then I met Naomi Osemedwa mm-hmm. on Facebook. I think it was on Facebook I met, I met Naomi. 
And um, you know, she was like, she's an author. She put her book on Amazon. Amazon. You know, uh, and she's an Amazon bestseller. And I'm like, I was never thinking of bestseller. I was actually thinking of putting my book on Amazon because after I wrote my book, my friends from high school who were, you know, doing university or their masters in another country were like, how do I get your book? I'm not looking for how, I'm not sending DHL. How much is the book? Like, how much is DHL for the book gets to the country? You know, my family in Brazil wanted to see the book as well. So like, let me just put it on Amazon and at least they can read the soft copy instead of me emailing them PDF yeah. file, right? So um, she actually just told me what to do. I went home. It was actually on my birthday in 2016. I waited. It was 11.59. I just entered my birthday. I just clicked submit. <laughs> so the next day, I got an email from Amazon that my book had gone live. You know, and then I sent mm-hmm. an email to people, sent text to everybody, oh, buy my book, blah, blah, blah. And people started sending me congratulations. So when I was getting the congratulations, I thought it was congratulations. Your, books, your book is on Amazon. Mm-hmm. You know, so like, wow, only you, Amazon bestseller. And now I'm not, I was not very lost. I'm like, no, no, I'm not an Amazon bestseller. I'm an Amazon bookseller. <laughs> like, I sell my books <laughs> on Amazon. <laughs> so, like, no, no, I didn't check. So, I didn't even know how to check ranking. I didn't know how to check anything. I was, so, I was, just, I was just very green, as green as grass. You know, so I now called my friends and I helped me check. They're like, oh, you're number one in this country. Oh, you're number two in this place. So, my book was number one in uh, the U.S., um, and wow. then number two in Canada and UK. Wow. You know? So usually people are Amazon bestsellers every hour, right? You can be an Amazon bestseller from 11 to, to 12 p.m. And that's all, right? Because it's the highest selling book per hour. Yeah. But I was an Amazon bestseller for seven days. <laughs> wow. So awesome was, stuff. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Okay, Remy, this has been really, really insightful and, you know, exciting for me because you keep calling names of people that I know, from Shona Animal Channel to Steve Aries to Naomi Osemedra, and these are awesome and great people. At this point, I would just like to ask some few random questions. Who inspires you and why? I would say that my primary inspiration is my mom. Oh. You know, I always tell her that till today. I can't imagine Aww. one man, one man who toast me and I carry my load and go to the country. I don't speak their language. <laughs> I'll just uproot my life in, a, that, in an age where there was no WhatsApp, there was no that's, BBM. That's a lot. There was to no deal Facebook. With. That's there a was lot. no Google. Wow. There was nothing. Now, if I tell her I'm just going to keep right now, she'll be saying, So why are you going to stay? Send me the address. Send me the address. <laughs> when you're going to Africa, nobody helped you. <laughs> I'm going in the, in an age where I can just send you my location. Please don't disturb me. So I'll say that my mom is a very brave woman, um, and her bravery is very inspiring. And the way she was able to hold the family together after the passing of my dad is definitely, definitely, definitely inspiring and one of the primary drives of my own existence. Awesome. Awesome. Great. Wow. I'm so touched by what you said <laughs> okay so what famous person would you like to meet and why hmm. what famous person would i like to meet i'll say michelle i've always been a very big fan of the obama michelle obama okay yeah yes michelle obama, yeah. um and i'll say that 
I would like to see, meet her because I want to know what her experience is like being the first mm. person to do something. I would say that I've been very accustomed to being the first. I do many things, you know. Um, first person to do this, first person to do that, first person to do... I don't have to continue, but I've usually been the first person to do a number of things. Um, so I think that she's somebody I feel that I'll be able to relate with her answer and her answer will give me more insight to something that I can do better moving forward. Because there's still so many things that I want to do. There's still so many things that I'm doing that I know that nobody has done. Not that they've not thought about it. Though. They probably thought about it, but they haven't done it. They haven't expected it yet. You know, uh, sometimes, especially for somebody like me, I always feel like I'm ahead of my time. Mm. so it would be interesting for me to have this conversation with her awesome 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 last question on this segment if you had the opportunity to live anywhere in the world where would it be and please don't say brazil no i wouldn't even stay in brazil actually <laughs> okay. um it would be somewhere in europe um, oh. sweden yeah really sweden or italy yeah wow yeah why yes um i respect what they've done in terms of health um i'm going to try not to be too technical um but in places like sweden and italy they've banned things like glyphosate, which is used in agriculture which is actually very poisonous and causes a number of cancers mm-hmm. um in brazil for example glyphosate removal from any use in anything not just agriculture because it's using different things is in discussion somewhere like in the uk this has been banned so there are a number of products that can never enter the uk because they have certain products um so i feel i will feel safer there and raising um my children there that would be a place that i would, if i could live anywhere i don't think i'll ever live there <laughs> but it's a place that i would like to live and i say that because i feel that i can create my sweden anywhere mm. Amazing. Right. I, can, I can create an environment anyway. Yeah. Yeah. I shouldn't be surprised because you're always you're always picking up about your health thingies, your food and all of that. And you know, mm-hmm. and it, it's become so much of your lifestyle. So mm-hmm. what last words would you say to our viewers, especially in terms of um, financial security for women? Considering that you lost your dad at um well, not a very tender age as a teenager, but then this had a big mm-hmm. impact on your life and on the life of your mother and all. What last okay. words would you have for the listeners? Um, I'll end with saying that I think it's important for every woman to have some form of security, especially for Nigerian women who can be very, can hide under religion and like, oh, God forbid, nothing will ever happen to my husband. Mm. My husband can never die. He will live long. Nobody wants to kill your husband, right? But I think that it's the same thing. Nobody ever anticipates or wishes or prays that their spouse is going to die. Yeah. Um, so I think that irrespective, it's important for you to have some form of financial support. Even if it's not to save in case of any death, is even to actually maybe improve your standard of living, right? Whatever way you're living, there's always a better way to live, right? Mm. And for your children as well. I always tell people right now that if your child is going to have a, can you even afford these fees right now? Except your child is American, that these fees are cheaper for Americans. But if your child is not American, most people cannot, you have to work for like maybe 50 years, and your child is already 30, but you're able to raise that kind of amount of money, right? So I mm. feel like to improve your quality of life, you need, you need, 
like it's a non-negotiable. You need to have an emergency plan. You need to, there needs to be something. And it doesn't have to be humongous. Start today. Because people always feel like I need to have a lot of money before I start. And it, it just by saving 20,000 naira a month, it's already a big deal. Mm. It's already a big deal. And I'm sure Ibukun can tell you more about that on how you can you know, <laughs> save and, you know, and things like that. Thank you so much, Remy Owadoko. You are such a wonderful person and a bundle of experience and knowledge. And thank you for sharing from your worlds of experience. And I am sure that some of the listeners would like to reach out to you. Where can they reach out to you, your website or any of your handles? Remy Owadoko on Instagram, on Twitter. My email is me, M-E, at remyowadukun.com. Thank you so much for having me. This was fun. <laughs> Thank you. I hope this has been an enlightening, reflective, and transformative experience for you. Be sure to subscribe for loads of great stuff and register to become a part of my community at www.ibukomolulu.com or follow me on Instagram at ib triple e. K-A-Y. If you have found this useful and you think any other woman or men who love and support women should listen to this, please share. Get the word out to as many women as you can. Till next week, I leave you with light, peace and love. Please stay safe and remain positive. Thanks for listening to Being More with Ibukomolulu. If you like our show and want to know more about it, check out my website at www.ibukomolulu.com or please leave us a review on Google Podcast, Anchor or SoundCloud. Join us next week for another dose of amazing and valuable content.